mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, what better way to salute America's service members than by spreading a little holiday cheer? With the help of the American Red Cross, we have details. Also this morning, Veterans Day is about more than just honoring those who have served. For many veterans, it's a time to reflect on how that service has changed the course of their lives. A handful of teams remain in the hunt as the high school football playoffs continue. We get a preview of this week's regional semifinals. And our Around the World Tour continues with a collection of easy Swiss-inspired recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, November 10th, 2023. With the weekend coming up, what are you going to do to uh, celebrate the weekend? Maybe, and this is you know very common, uh, probably uh, going out, maybe meeting up with some friends for a drink after work. Uh, what, whatever it might happen to be, maybe you're uh, you know having a gathering, something like that. Kind of interesting. A, a new uh, list, a new ranking of the nations that are the heaviest drinkers, the heaviest episodic drinkers not the heaviest drinkers overall but the heaviest episodic drinkers you go out for a celebration and you drink uh, uh heavily and uh, the uk uh ranks third uh let's see here germany austria uh, australia i'm sorry and ireland denmark Uh, Tops the list, 37% of its population consuming six drinks or more in one sitting each month. Uh, Denmark is number one. Romania uh, is number two. 36% of its population will do that. Then uh, the UK and Luxembourg. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Well, where was the uh, US on this list? I don't know. I thought I thought that I had the uh, U.S. numbers. Never mind. We don't care where the U.K. is, do we? Anyway. I'm sorry. I even started with that. Uh, that's a great way of uh, of beginning. I thought the I thought we had the uh, U.S. numbers, and I'm I'm looking at the story, and it says it's all about the U.K. Uh, who put that on our list of uh, stuff to start with here this morning? Maybe they've been, maybe they've been drinking a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Let's see. But this is something that is relevant with the weekend uh, coming up. And again, maybe you're having a a party of some kind, a celebration, what have you. I don't know. Maybe even an early Thanksgiving. Who knows? We're a couple of weeks uh, away from that. Uh, Scientists in New Jersey, speaking of drinking, scientists in New Jersey have come up with an app that can tell if you are drunk. If you have one, had one too many, it's a, uh, an app for your smartphone that detects intoxication levels by analyzing speech patterns and vocal changes. So you don't have to, uh, you know, it's not a breathalyzer test or anything like that. Obviously, that wouldn't work on your smartphone. It can analyze your speech patterns and vocal changes. Participants were asked uh, to drink alcohol to excess and then attempt to recite various tongue twisters. And they did this every hour as people were drinking uh, to see when the app would pick up on the fact that maybe they have had one too many. The accuracy, according to the lead researcher of this project, Professor Brian Sofoletto, the accuracy of our model genuinely took me by surprise. It was that accurate. Future smartphone tools could incorporate changes in how someone walks, uh, texting patterns. If you've ever drunk texted somebody, you know that that would be be rather handy. And you would think that that should be fairly easy to, uh, you know, to create an app that would analyze your text messages or the way you walk. If it can count your steps, then... Um, if it can detect if you've been in an automobile accident or something like that, uh, which smartphones can now, you'd think that they would be smart enough to tell if maybe you are, you know, your gait has uh, changed because you're, you know, stumble around because you've had one too many to drink and 
all of that. So I think it's a great idea, and uh, I, it doesn't uh, doesn't say if or when this app, if the uh, app is available now or when it might be, or even what the name of it is. But again, they're working on this in uh, in New Jersey. Scientists in New Jersey working on this. So hopefully, something that will be available soon. It's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see. What else is going on among the uh, first things you need to know this morning? The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Did you watch the Republican presidential candidate debate earlier this week? If not, you are, you didn't, you didn't miss much in terms of, uh, what people are talking about. Cause very few people actually watch it. You were, you had good company if you didn't watch it, I guess is the way. We put this um, less than 7 million people watched the debate on Wednesday. NBC News broadcast of the debate garnered roughly 6.8 million viewers. Uh, the audience down from the 9 million people who watched last month's debate and the 12.8 million that watched the first debate on Fox News. The uh, so they've been the audience has been steadily declining as the field has been narrowed, uh, which is kind of interesting. The biggest debate was when they had the largest field, and then since then they've been whittling. I think it was, what, five candidates on stage uh, for this past Wednesday's debate? So you would think that as the field narrows, maybe more people would be interested, but that's not. it's been the exact opposite. Fourth primary debate will be held December 6th in Alabama. So, yes, if this trend continues, we'll probably see, well, nobody watching. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Was it Newsmax is uh, doing the fourth debate, I think? So Fox has done the first two and then NBC and then... Newsmax, kind of interesting. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I just thought it was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Uh, it's almost as if everybody knows who's going to get the nomination, you know? It's almost as if <laughs> everybody knows who's going to get the nomination. And a couple of other uh, items here among the first things you need to know, the most interesting stories of the day. We're coming up on uh, cold and flu season And a new report from the CDC says school vaccine exemptions are at the highest level on record. Data looking at immunization programs for measles, mumps, and rubella, tetanus, polio, and chickenpox shows that less children are getting these vaccines now than before the pandemic. Vaccination coverage is at 93%. This school year down from 95%. And the report shows that overall, 3% of kindergartners had an exemption. 2.8% of those are non-medical. So, fewer kindergartners, fewer children getting vaccinated for... And, you know, this is... I, I get it with the COVID vaccines and people a little uh, hesitant you know, with those, but we're talking about MMR, polio, chickenpox. These are serious conditions that you don't want your kids to get. And the vaccines have been around for decades. They are proven to be effective. They are proven to be safe. And the idea that we're not going to vaccinate our kids um, for non-medical reasons. I mean, there are very uh, few individuals who can't take these vaccines for one reason or another, but that just underscores the necessity for other kids who can to be vaccinated. And uh, more and more people are just not doing it. Interesting there and uh, very concerning. And uh, before long, as we mentioned, uh, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, now less than two weeks away. And that's the uh, start of the holiday season, of course. And uh, with the holidays coming, I know people have so many things going on, so many things that they need to do um, that sending out Christmas cards becomes sort of an afterthought, especially in this day and age. However, a new survey of 2,000 Americans finds that 54% of adults still send 
holiday greetings via snail mail. In this age of digital greetings, digital communication, we still send Christmas cards in the mail. 62% of millennials and 59% of Gen Zers prefer a physical card instead of a digital greeting. And 55% of those who said that they prefer the physical cards prefer a personalized message. Uh, 60% of it for baby boomers, they're a little more understanding when it comes to personalizing the message in the card. 60% of baby boomers don't mind uh, if they get a more generic greeting, but only 16% overall say that they would prefer an AI message. I don't know if anyone would prefer a message generated by artificial intelligence, but 16% wouldn't, would not mind. So if you are sending Christmas cards, moral of the story, if you're sending Christmas cards, it's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, most folks really prefer to get those physical Christmas cards. It's one of those traditional things we just don't want to let go of, even in the digital age. But if you're going to include a message, uh, do it personally. Uh, invest some time, invest some effort, some energy into this. So just something to think about. Uh, with everything else you got going on as we come up on the holidays, sending Christmas cards, sometimes we let that slide. I know my wife and I have done that, but you know, we really shouldn't. We really should you know, take the time and, and do that. Anyways, uh, just something to keep in mind as we approach the uh, holiday season. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the mid-50s. Mostly clear tonight, a low in the mid-30s. Finley Mayor Christina Mern is addressing what she says is misinformation being shared about the city's growing immigrant population. Recognizing that the majority, if not all, of these individuals are here legally trying to make a better life for themselves. And we are trying to wrap our arms around them to help integrate them into our community. The mayor says our community is changing and that's a positive thing, but we also need to make sure that we're helping grow in an appropriate fashion. Get more of our conversation with the mayor about Finley's growing diversity and the story on our website. At the polls on Tuesday, Ohioans chose to legalize recreational marijuana, but when will it take effect? Issue 2 will officially take effect 30 days after the election, and under the new law, those who are over the age of 21 can buy up to 2.5 ounces of cannabis, which will have a 10% tax. The Department of Commerce will work with what we will now know as the Division of Cannabis Control, and they will have nine months to figure out the details surrounding how marijuana will be sold in Ohio and issue licenses. I'm Amy Steigerwald. Water rates will be going up in Finley. The Finley City Council Water and Sewer Committee voted to support the administration's proposal to raise water rates effective January 1st. The city says water rates have not increased since 2011, but as water revenues have remained flat, expenses have increased. There's a chart where you can see how much your rate will increase in the story on our website. Communities all over the area are already preparing for the April 2024 total solar eclipse. The Seneca County General Health District has announced they are now accepting applications for temporary campsite and temporary food service permits for the eclipse. With hotel beds at a premium in this smaller rural community, many landowners are planning on using their property as campsites. Others may want to serve out of a food truck or host a festival over the weekend leading up to the eclipse. John Monk reporting from Tiffin. And Finley and Hancock County have been busy preparing for the eclipse. Get more on that on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So if you were with with us uh, yesterday on the program, we spoke with uh, Hancock County Veterans Service Office Executive Director Nicole Coleman about all of the perks all of the special stuff happening this weekend in honor of Veterans Day in and around the community. If you missed that conversation, uh, you can go to our webpage at goodmornings.net, scroll down to yesterday's program, and check out the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. And, of course, the link is uh, posted there, too, uh, from the Veterans Service Office 
with uh, all of the details on everything that's happening. Uh, free meals to area restaurants, a lot of uh, programs to area schools going on this week, and uh, especially today. And uh, details on the uh, Finley Parade, the uh, Veterans Day Parade and Ceremony, which is actually happening on Sunday at 2 p.m. It begins at the uh, corner of Lincoln and Main Street and end at the Veterans Memorial at the corner of Main and Center Streets. And we encourage everyone to go out and uh, celebrate and uh, honor our veterans for their service. Uh, that is happening on Sunday in the community. And again, just uh, one of the many, many, many things that are going on in and around the community uh, to salute veterans and with that in mind what better way to salute America's service members but by spreading a little holiday cheer since we're coming up on that season and the American Red Cross is helping to do that with Operation Holiday Cheer it is a program that they've done uh, many years in the past and uh, kind of went on hiatus during the pandemic because it was uh, too complicated to, uh, to do that uh, during those years. But it is back. Operation Holiday Cheer, an opportunity for you to uh, donate items to be sent uh, in care packages to service members overseas. And originally we had planned on speaking with uh, Todd James, the uh, North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross uh, with uh, all of the details uh, about that. Unfortunately, uh, Todd had a uh, uh, so, something come up this morning and it was unable to, uh, to join us on the program. However, as we mentioned, they've done this in the past and we've talked about it in the past. So we went back to the uh, archives uh, for a, a conversation, previous conversation with Todd about Operation Holiday Cheer. Yeah, we are collecting uh, a bunch of items. Mm -hmm. This list is provided to us every year by the Department of Defense, uh, and, and we send these boxes to several bases where we have Red Cross personnel as part of our services. The Armed Forces teams are on those bases. Mm -hmm. They operate uh, hospitality centers as part of what they do on these bases. So we collect all these items that we know we can ship and that these are what the servicemen and women have asked for, the things from home that they can't get easily that can be shipped to them. Uh, and there is a couple a couple of lists here, a lot of different food items and then personal hygiene and entertainment items. You're not talking about big ticket you know, items. Here, you're, not mean, you're not sending over TVs. No, here or are anything. the things they ask us for. They're asking for things like Pop-Tarts and, yeah. and ramen noodles and some beef sticks or jerky and <laughs> some nuts and <laughs> some gum. Which tells you a little bit about the commissaries that they exactly. have over there. And, uh, and, personal, <laughs> and personal things they need, things like uh, uh, body and foot powder, mm -hmm. toothpaste. They'd like some board games, some dice, some books to help kill the time. Yeah. Uh, and again, a lot of this, some of this stuff that Simple stays in that like hospitality that. area so everybody because what happens is the 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 uh, service of the armed forces team the red cross team will receive all these packages mm -hmm. they'll open all this stuff up and then they'll just they've got a, this is like a hospitality area that they host so they'll take these thousands of items they've received and kind of set up a little uh shop and they'll just put all this stuff out and yeah. it's open for anyone who needs it any service member come in take what you need it's there for you. So we're collecting all these items. Then we're going to box them up. We're going to spend about a week separating it and getting it all ready. And then right. we have a, a big boxing night. Our youth council comes in, and we have volunteers and groups like Altrusa that come in and help us. Uh, we box all this stuff up, and we ship it over there so it gets there in time for the holidays. Just a way of saying thank you yeah. uh, through the holiday season. Yeah. I will also say if, if you'd like to help us out with the postage, we could use a little help on that. We mm -hmm. are accepting contributions to pay for the postage on this. Um, so you can drop those off. All this stuff can be dropped off at our office at 125 Fair Street. And uh, again, a conversation with uh, Todd James from previous years when we've talked about uh, Operation Holiday Cheer. The deadline, the reason we bring this up, uh, the deadline for dropping off items is this coming Monday. So again, 125 Fair Street is the uh, Hancock County Red Cross office. You can also uh, donate, uh, drop off your donations at the Hancock County Veterans Services uh, office on May, uh, uh, East Main Cross uh, as well. And uh, again, just really simple stuff, the stuff that you can throw in your cart uh, when you go grocery shopping, the uh, individually packaged snacks, um, ground coffee, protein powder, toothbrushes, feminine hygiene products, toothpaste, shampoo and conditioner, uh, deodorant, soap and body wash, uh, laundry detergent sheets, um, 
just a few of the examples of items that uh, that they need and that they can use and they can send over for uh, Operation Holiday Cheer. The uh, deadline is Monday, November the 13th. That's this coming Monday, uh, the American Red Cross. And again, we have more information posted on our webpage at goodmornings.net. So uh, get that done. Again, just a great way of saluting the folks who... Uh, serve and protect us each and every day and are away from their families uh, during the holiday season, Uh, even though, you know, that's the other thing uh, is that now that we don't have these wars in the Middle East that we're talking about, Iraq and Afghanistan and, and so on, we tend to forget that there are still service members who are serving around the world and will not be able to be home with their families, their loved ones during the holiday season. Um, Even when we're not, quote, unquote, at war, we're still everywhere around the world. And uh, these uh, service members uh, deserve and, you know, uh, we want to make sure that they know that we remember them, we're thinking of them, and uh, we thank them for their service. Great way for you to do that. Spread a little holiday cheer with the service members. And again, uh, it is kind of a tie-in. Veterans Day this weekend, everybody thinking about those who have served. Let's remember those who are currently serving away from home. Again, goodmornings.net to learn more. And the deadline for Operation Holiday Cheer is this coming Monday. Of course, coming up on Veterans Day, it is a day to honor and celebrate the many individuals who have dedicated their lives in service to our country. And this morning, we have the incredible story of one such individual. Uh, Army veteran Dr. Linda Singh is a retired two-star general and uh, the first woman and the first African-American, and I guess by extension, the first African-American woman, to lead the Maryland National Guard. And uh, General Singh, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Chris, thank you so much. Talk a little bit about your journey to the Army, because it is a pretty incredible story. Well, I started out at age 17 um, being homeless, um, a high school dropout, and ran across an Army National Guard recruiter in the mall. And that got me a start um, that I, I couldn't imagine having a career that I, I've had, but it really got me um, started into the Army with, you know, going to basic training. And believe it or not, it was the first time that I had ever gotten on a plane. So I got on a plane hmm. and flew uh, for the first time in my life going to basic training. And then, you know, continuing to build on my skills, um, my background and getting that job experience and bringing that into a civilian career where I was kind of running these two things um, together at the same time. Obviously, uh, your service had a tremendous impact on your life. Could you have ever imagined uh, becoming something of an inspiration to others? No, and that was really not why I went into the service. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into the service to kind of, you know, save myself, right? I felt like it was an opportunity for me to get a fresh start. Um, and then I think as I continued to become more and more senior and going out and working into the community and, you know, going into the schools and, you know, sometimes being the person that, you know, for a number of kids, I'd come in for show and tell. I hate to say that, but, you know, they always love to have you come in in uniform. Yeah. And just seeing how the kids, not just from elementary to middle to high school, engaged with me so differently. Um, and they were intrigued. And that really started inspiring me and me wanting to inspire them. Yeah. I, I would imagine uh, the, the story you know, your story of the military providing uh, the kind of structure, uh, the, the kind of guidance that you uh, had not had before is not altogether unusual. But at the same time, there are any number of stories of people who uh, end up uh, in the service for any number of reasons. 
That is correct. And, you know, Chris, just, you know, you reminded me of a time, you know, where I was here in Maryland. I was actually in Charles County, Maryland, and talking to a group of young high school kids. And I was telling them about my story and being homeless and growing up without running water yeah, um, and what it was like and then joining the military. And there was a young lady in the class that was just in tears. And I was like, oh, I thought that I had done something wrong. Actually, I had done everything right. My story touched her. And mm-hmm. she came up afterwards and wanted to know how she could join um, the army. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's those types of stories where you see how, what kind of impact you can have on somebody else's life. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of interesting too. Uh, you were kind of touching on this and we were talking about it just yesterday on the program about army careers and leveraging those skills into success in the civilian sector. Talk a little bit more about that transition for you. Well, I think, you know, the challenge for me is it wasn't really a transition that you would typically have if I would have joined active army. I was in the Army National Guard and the Army Reserve, right. which meant I was actually working in a civilian career. And so um, what I think really made the trigger kind of the twist for me is when I became an officer and I could see clearly how those skills related to my, you know, me wanting to get a better civilian job. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started thinking about all of the time that I had served enlisted and being in personnel. And that led me to working on, you know, some of the latest systems and technologies out there implementing HR systems for other organizations. Based on your experience uh, in the military and in life, this kind of speaks to what you were talking about a little bit earlier. What do you say to young people who may be such as yourself trying to find that right path and not really knowing where it might be? Yeah, one of the things I like to tell them to do, because I think, you know, art is something that we can all think about. We, we teach kids to draw and color, color from very, very early you know, I tell them to get a blank canvas and just, you know, draw what comes to mind where, you know, they would like to see themselves. Don't put any parameters on it. And then if they could just take that and then go out to the goarmy.com site and look at all of the jobs that are out there, I can almost guarantee you that they can find something that would be just as inspiring as what they drew that's going to allow them to live and find their passion. Again, uh, Dr. Linda Singh is a retired two-star general, first woman, first African-American to lead the Maryland National Guard, uh, speaking uh, about all of the, everything that you get out. And again, we talk about Veterans Day as a day to salute uh, the, the veterans, but for so many veterans, it's a, a day to really reflect on uh, what they get out of uh, their career in service. Uh, mention again the uh, website where folks can get more information on all the possibilities that are out there with military service. Absolutely. They should go out to goarmy.com. Take a look at all of the jobs and skills. There's tons of videos out there. And then if you're really wanting to kind of take that next step or just to have a conversation, reach out to your local recruiter. And you can do all of that from the goarmy.com site. Dr. Singh, thanks very much for uh, taking the time, and uh, certainly thank you for your service. We appreciate it. Thank you. I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. Week three of the playoffs brings the regional finals. The lone remaining BBC school, Macomb, takes a trip to Allen East to face Lima Central Catholic, a team that knocked the Panthers out of the tournament a year ago. Macomb coach Chris Algy. We've really challenged kids, and we know LCC is a very, very good football team. I mean, they're led with their quarterback, uh, Carson Parker. They have two really talented receivers, Billy Burke, kid that's 6'6", and then the Quantum, you know, he hurt us last year. They can score points. They run waggles and boots and buck sweeps, and uh, they've got guys going out for passes everywhere. And the challenge is to be able to tackle number one. He's going to make plays. He's that good. 
but we've got to be able to tackle them this year. We didn't do that last year. Number six seed LCC and fourth seed Macomb meet tonight outside Lafayette. The game will air on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com starting with pregame at 635, followed by the kickoff at 7. Don Masters will join me on the call. On the other side of the Region 26 bracket, it's the fifth seed Patrick Henry Patriots taking on the number one Hopewell Loudoun Chieftains, with the game being played at Bowling Green Bobcat Stadium. In Division 6 Region 22, the four seed Cary Blue Devils meet number one Columbus Grove. Grove coach Andy Schaefer. The biggest thing with Cary's offense is, you know, most teams go into it thinking we got three downs to get a first down, and they, they don't. They were like, we have four downs to get a first down. That obviously changes the mentality completely. The biggest thing is on first down, get them in a situation where it's a little bit more like second and long versus second and medium. They're not going to be fancy. They're going to run their thing. And, you know, defensively, we've got, we've got to tackle. We can't have a missed tackle. Yeah, it's a big game, big hard-hitting physical game. And, and our kids are going to enjoy it, and so is Carrie's. And you know, we're going to only have one winner at the end of the game. And Carrie coach, Jonathan Mershman. That number three, Barraza kid, man, he can run the ball. So, you know, we're going to have to defensively be sound and be ready for him. Um, they got a quarterback that can pull it on counters and, and run the ball as well. So um, they got a really stout running attack, and our defense is going to have their hands full stopping that run. Kerry and Columbus Grove meet tonight at 7 at Fostoria Memorial Stadium. On the other side of that bracket, second seed Bluffton faces number 6 Ottawa Hills at Napoleon. And in Division 5, Region 18, four-seed Oak Harbor meets number one seed Liberty Center at Oregon Clay. And number six Coldwater takes on two-seed Milan Edison at Donnell Stadium. Again, tonight on 100.5 WKXA, it's Macomb and Lima Central Catholic at 635, live from Allen East High School. For Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In Costa Rica, we begin with the international file uh, this morning. An employee of that nation's national bank has now been arrested for stealing over $6 million from the bank, an employee of the bank, stole $6 million little by little over the course of several weeks. And here's how it happened. Apparently, the employee took advantage of a blind spot in the surveillance cameras. <laughs> there, was, there was a blind spot. You walk into the bank, and uh, there are cameras everywhere. But at this particular bank, there was a blind spot. And uh, the employee figured that out, took advantage of that to stuff money into envelopes, which he then uh, just very casually walked out of the bank carrying the envelope full of cash. Uh, This, according to authorities who are not only uh, highly critical of the bank for not having uh, any internal controls, security checkpoints or anything like that to catch the guy. But also, uh, they are investigating not only this individual, but uh, others in the bank who may not have necessarily been involved in the scheme, but perhaps they say kept silent about it, knew about it and kept silent because they didn't want to be blamed. Here's the, f- <laughs> Here's the really the, the kicker in the story here. The employee was eventually caught because he he began spending $6,000 a day on lottery tickets. (laughs) He couldn't resist. As if $6 million, making off with $6 million uh, was not enough, he wanted to parlay that into a big lottery win. (laughs) Was buying $6,000 worth of lottery tickets a day, and that's when people got suspicious. (laughs) I would think that would do it. That would raise some alarm bells right there. You're buying $6,000 a day in lottery tickets. (laughs) Elsewhere in the broken news, a doctor in India is now facing charges of medical negligence after he walked out of an operation midway through. According to the report, a doctor at a hospital in Nagpur, India, was scheduled to perform eight surgeries in a day. 
that is a full day right there. Eight surgeries. Halfway through, the, through though, uh, he decided to leave. He just up and left. And why did he do this? Because he uh, was not served tea. <laughs> Halfway through, he requested a cup of tea from his staff. And when the request went unfulfilled, he decided, well, that's it then. I'm leaving. <laughs> Fortunately, the hospital was able to find another doctor to complete the surgeries, but now an inquiry has been opened into the disappearing doctor. <laughs> hey, get me my tea, doggone it. Get my tea. Uh, this was uh, just kind of a weird story. And again, uh, generally speaking, we like to avoid stories where people lose their life. It's just not funny when somebody dies. But sometimes the circumstances are so bizarre that we just have to bring it up. And here is a case out of South Korea. Again, more from the international file. In South Korea, a man was crushed by a robotic arm that mistook him for a box of vegetables. Happened at a uh, packing plant in South Korea. Officials say the robot grabbed the employee and slammed his body against the conveyor belt, (laughs) thinking it was a box of veggies. An investigation is underway. Hey, they say robots are going to kill us. Robots are going to take over the world. It appears they're already starting in South Korea. And a couple of other items here from the broken news domestically. A mom in Florida. There's always got to be a story out of Florida. And here is today's uh, story. A mother in Florida has been arrested after a road rage incident during a student drop-off at at her child's school. (laughs) Now, if you have ever, I mean, this is the this is the thing that uh, running gags are are made of TV shows and movies. You see that this is the source of. It. If you've ever dropped your kid off, the the student drop off at a school, you know that sometimes they can be very militant about this. Uh, Taranje Samuels Catalan was reportedly trying to leave the parking lot after dropping her student off. When a staff member stopped her and said she had the, to leave the parking lot a different way because the school buses would be arriving soon. <laughs> and again, if you've ever dropped off your kids at school and you don't normally do that and you don't know the procedure, <laughs> they can be very, no, you can't go this way. You've got to go this way. So anyway, uh, Ms. Catalan was uh, irked, to say the least, agitated She turned her car toward the staff member and punched the gas. (laughs) Turned the car toward the staff member and hit the gas. Fortunately, the uh, staff member dove uh, out of the way to avoid being hit. Video footage uh, corroborates the version of events that the staff member told to authorities. The pickup and drop-off lines at the schools can be frustrating at times, but we absolutely will not cut corners on ensuring the safety of students and staff, according to a statement (laughs) from the Port Charlotte County Sheriff. (laughs) Hey, they're the right way. You got to go through the school drop-off line the right way. There's no shortcuts here. And fortunately, everybody okay. And finally, in the broken news this morning, I, th- the first line of this story tells uh, tells it all. Fights broke out outside the Los Angeles Museum of Tolerance. <laughs> A big fight outside of the Los Angeles Museum of Tolerance the other day. <laughs> Apparently, actress Gal Gadot uh, was organizing a screening of footage from the Hamas attack on Israel last month. Um, And video from, this all happened Wednesday night, video shows several several people being pepper sprayed after fights broke out. (laughs) Uh, Gal Gadot uh, 
who played Wonder Woman in the uh, in the movie a couple of years ago. Uh, she served, you'll recall, she served in the Israeli Defense Force. And so she is uh, very much attuned to what's going on in that country. Uh, Israel's ambassador to the United Nations, uh, an official with the Israel Israeli Defense Forces, and Hollywood executives, several Hollywood executives were among the roughly 200 people who were in attendance uh, at this screening of this footage. And apparently there were some protesters and fights broke out outside the Los Angeles Museum of Tolerance. <laughs> kind of ironic, isn't it? Fortunately, uh, authorities there were, were there to quell the violence. Uh, there you go. Museum of Tolerance. That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When local news breaks, you can hear about it on social media at lightning speed. And while getting you the information fast is important, WFIN will always present the story only after verifying with actual sourced facts. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Trust the voice that's been covering the news in Finley and Hancock County for more than 80 years. You can depend on us to get the story right every time on social media, 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com, and at 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Thanksgiving is less than two weeks away now. It's hard to believe, but if you look at the calendar, yesterday was, you know, two weeks until Thanksgiving, so you're probably prepping for the uh, big day, or maybe not. I This was really interesting, a, a new report, and this uh, from ABC News. Um, I understand the attraction of maybe uh, doing a non-traditional type of Thanksgiving Maybe trying something new instead of, you know, the same boring thing thing year after year and trying to, uh, you know, spice things up a little bit. But I think you can take it too far. Uh, apparently, 21.7% of respondents to this, uh, this poll confess to being too lazy to make a Thanksgiving meal themselves. Um, 20.4% say they don't have the time uh, to do this, uh, and therefore, um, many people apparently this year are turning to <laughs> fast food chains to fill the proverbial Thanksgiving cornucopia. Now, for some, it comes down to cost. Fifteen point eight percent say they find it cheaper to buy takeout rather than do it all themselves. Uh, 5.9% say they have plans to travel during the holiday and can't spend the day in the kitchen or around the dining room table, and so they'll uh, opt for uh, takeout instead or you know go into a restaurant. 17.8% um, uh, say they don't even partake in Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving tradition at all. And so, but what really caught my eye was the places that people are going uh, for a Thanksgiving meal, non-traditional takeout Thanksgiving meal. McDonald's, the number one Thanksgiving takeout order. And this was state by state, 16 states, said <laughs> McDonald's. Wendy's was second, and Burger King ranked third. KFC was fourth, and rounding out the fifth, uh, it was a uh, three-way tie, um... Popeye's Chicken, Bojangles, and In-N-Out Burger for those out west who have In-N-Out. So, <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I, 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 I'm just flabbergasted by that. I mean, I get it, you know, turning to a restaurant to, you know, sort of cater your Thanksgiving meal. But McDonald's? Really? <laughs> McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King. Now, that is a non-traditional Thanksgiving feast. 84% of those in the poll said that they are looking to cut costs for their holiday meals. Um, so, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say.
doing kind of a crazy morning here at the old radio ranch or here at the uh, home studio, as the case may be this morning. But my wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio this morning with... Uh, another collection of recipes, our Around the World Tour continues yep. with a, a collection of easy Swiss-inspired recipes. Yes. Um, I was, and it's interesting, I was looking, um, well, this first one, it's uh, cube steak yes. uh, that you, right. you require. Um, yes. I saw this on the uh, on the Newswire, beef prices have hit $8 a pound now. Ooh, wow. $8 a pound. That is even higher than the pandemic record of yeah. 790. Wow. Um, number of factors uh, playing into that. Um, most prominently uh, among them, the uh, ongoing war in Ukraine. Russia really? and Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, huh. Okay. That's driven up prices of soy, corn, and wheat, all okay. ingredients that farmers need, need. to support yep. uh, their cattle operations. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I'm glad we got ours. Pound. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, uh, but the reason I bring that up, uh, obviously, you know, you're going to need uh, beef for this uh, first uh, recipe, easy Swiss steak, and it yes. is worth it. That's yes. what. Uh, that's why I bring it up because <laughs> this is worth it. This is really it good. Was really good. And yes. easy Swiss steak recipe. Yes. So one pound uh, beef cube steak, a quarter cup of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of seasoning salt, two tablespoons of olive oil, two cups of hot water, two beef bouillon cubes. Uh, uh, three tablespoons of cornstarch and one 10 ounce can of diced tomatoes. So add flour and, and your seasoning salt to a shallow bowl. Uh, dredge the cube steaks into the flour mixture. Heat the oil over medium heat in a large deep skillet. Sear the steak in the oil for about four minutes on each side until each side is golden brown. Uh, if you have to, work in batches depending on how big your pan is because mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to crowd your pan. Remove your steaks from the pan and set those aside. Then add your bouillon cubes to two cups of boiling water and dissolve the cubes. Reserve a quarter cup of the broth. Add cornstarch to the to that reserved quarter uh, quarter cup of broth. Mm-hmm. Mix that add. Uh, mix that up. Then add the rest of the beef broth and the diced tomatoes with the juice to the skillet. Stir well, scraping. Um, scrape all the sides because you're, you're going to get all that yummy <laughs> stuff that you used yeah. when you fried your cube steak. And right. all that yummy stuff's going to come off the bottom. Yeah. So it just gives it extra flavor. Um, add the reserve, uh, then add the reserve quarter cup of beef broth mixture to the skillet. Whisk until it thickens up. Then add your steaks back into the pan. Bring to a boil. Reduce the heat to a simmer. Cover and cook for one to one and a half hours. I cooked ours for about an hour and mm-hmm. it was it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was tender. nice and tender. You yeah. want it to be nice and tender. That is uh, yummy stuff. Yes, the it was easy, really good. Easy and really Swiss easy. steak. Yeah. yeah. Easy sweet Swiss steak recipe. And then yes. along with that, uh, the sides, we have an Alpermagranen. <laughs> Alpermagranen. <laughs> Uh, which is Swiss Alpine macaroni and cheese. Yes. So this is four slices of thick-cut bacon, bacon pieced and cooked. Uh, you know t- it's going to be good because there's yes. bacon involved. Yes. Two tab- Even the Swiss love bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Two tablespoons of butter, one small onion diced, and kosher salt to taste. Then for the macaroni, you're going to need 10 ounce of waxy potatoes cubed, 8 ounce macaroni, a half a cup of milk, a quarter cup of cr- uh, heavy cream, two cups of grated Swiss cheese, and um, I ended up using um, some, I put some white cheddar in mine also. Mm. So, kosher salt and ground nutmeg to taste. So, add the bacon pieces to a cold frying pan, uh, turn on the heat to medium uh, heat, uh, cook, stirring regularly, and um, the fat it's going to come off, um, you know, and you can use that for your onions if you want, or you can use the uh, bacon when you stir fry that. But crisp that up for about eight to ten minutes. Remove the bacon with a sawed spoon and drown on a drain on a towel lined plate. Um, add your butter and your onion to the frying pan. Like I said, if you want to use the bacon grease instead of butter, do it. Mm-hmm. It's it makes it's yeah. a really good taste. Really good. So um, so. If you're going to do that, eliminate the butter. Uh, then uh, over medium heat, caramelize that um, 
and then the set onion. that yeah. yeah caramelize the onion mm-hmm. and then just set that all aside so the next you're going to add the cubed potatoes to a large pot and cover generously with salt and water bring to a boil add your macaroni cook to um continue to cook until the macaroni is barely al dente and the potatoes are tender um i just kind of used my fork made sure my pit- potatoes were tender mm-hmm. drain the macaroni and potatoes return the drained macaroni and potatoes to your pot Add your milk and your heavy cream. Stir until it starts to heat up. About a minute or so. It doesn't take very long. Uh, Then add the grated cheese, a little salt, nutmeg. Keep stirring until the cheese has melted into a thick and luscious uh, yummy sauce. And place in your serving dish and top with your caramelized onions and your bacon. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yes. The uh, Alper Magranin, which is Swiss for Alpine Macaroni. macaroni. Alpen, yeah. Alper, Alper Magranin. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then for dessert, uh, the Swiss applesauce, the Apfelmousse. Yes, Apfelmousse. Apfelmousse. So one pound of apples, a quarter cup of water, or I'm sorry, a half a cup of water, half a cup of sugar, two tablespoons of lemon juice, and one tablespoon of cinnamon. So core and cut your apples into small pieces Add your lemon juice to the cut apples. Boil water, sugar, and cinnamon in a pot. Add the apples. Uh, add the apples to the boiling pot. Cover the pot and let it simmer for about fifteen minutes. Um, the apples will start getting mushy and crumbly. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that's happening. If not, you'll need to boil for another ten to fifteen minutes. Remove the apples from the heat and blend um, with your immersible blender, or mm-hmm. put it in a blender, and, and then you're ready to have your applesauce. Yeah, there your uh, yes. apple mousse. Apple mousse, along with the Alper Magranin and the Easy Swiss Steak, which yes. I'm sure there's a, a Swiss name for Swiss steak, but I don't know what that is. Yes, uh, those recipes. <laughs> can be found on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook and uh, linked up at goodmornings.net more of our around the world tour with the easy Swiss inspired recipes from Kyra's Kitchen what are we doing next week do we know I don't know okay <laughs> so if you have uh, a uh, an around, yes, the world, an around the world international idea yeah, Let I do. Me know. We'll uh, give it a shot. Yes. Uh, again, uh, goodmornings.net for the uh, recipes. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, according to AARP, more than one in five adults have no retirement savings. Nearly two out of three are worried that the savings they do have isn't going to last. If that sounds like you, we'll tell you what you should be doing right now in your pre-tirement years. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.